Welcome to the Meal Adventure Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay S. Nixon. This is the 14th episode in the co-pilot series where we can chat about making the plant-based lifestyle more doable, especially while facing the common challenges and roadblocks we all face on our journey to better health and weight loss. Today's guest is a personal, very, very close and good friend of mine. I'm so excited to have her. And she's just, oh, she's such a bright light. You're going to love it. And she's had a great experience with the plant-based diet. She's a longtime meal plan user. She's a mom too, so we'll talk a little bit about that. And one thing that we have in common that sort of fostered our close friendship is that we both have OCD. So we're also going to talk a lot about OCD and how we kind of handle it and some of our strategies. Because I know everyone, even if you don't have OCD, there's probably something in your life that's very stressful and our strategies might help. And she's also my co-host for our brand new book club that we've just started with all our members. So we're going to have a lot of fun with Kim in the future months reading books. In fact, her name online is Mama Reads Too Much because she's such a bookworm. But anyway, give me a big hand in welcoming Kim. Hi, Kim. Hey, Lindsay. Hey, everybody. Hi. So glad you're here. So first things, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and sort of how you came to the plant-based diet and the meal plan so everyone has a background if they're not familiar with you from the book club. Okay, well, um, I started eating plant-based, gosh, maybe five years ago now, and I came to that because I was very, very sick. My belly was giving me fits and found out that my gallbladder was, quote, full of sludge which is kind of the pre-Gulf Stones stage, think wet sand, and we had a move coming up. So in order to push that surgery off a little bit, I started doing some research on what can I do so my belly doesn't hurt and I'm not nauseous all the time. And I, uh, oddly enough, met an Amish lady, little elderly woman who said, well, you're obviously too acidic. You don't need animal products anymore. <laughs> and I thought she was crazy. <laughs> but in doing some more research and taking away those things that did make me sick in my stomach or cause pain or whatever, I started to see a change. So then I started reading everything I could get my hands on. And I stumbled across the Happy Herbivore website. And I started fixing some of those recipes. And they were good. And it's been... <laughs> A big, big meat eater. You know, I was notorious when, you know, I was at work grabbing a triple cheeseburger for my dinner at 3 a.m., you know, on my night shift. And, you know, so I transitioned at that time to being a stay-at-home mom, and I was cooking for my family, but we were eating a lot of meat, very typical American family. So I did this for a couple years, and then my family decided you know, hey, that stuff looks pretty good. You know, we'll try it. So eventually we all end up being plant-based and I, you know, found forks over knives. And so the science to me all just made so much sense. But rewinding back to that gallbladder and how sick I was with it, it ended up healing it on its own. My body repaired it. I wasn't at the point of having stones that wouldn't go away. So you never needed the surgery? So I never had surgery. That's amazing. They did follow-up CAT scans every six months for about two years. Normal gallbladder every single time. So, you know, that was a nice, nice little perk, you know? So <laughs> I think it's a little bit more than a perk. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah it was absolutely incredible. And then we realized into this... I had always had kidney stones. I was I was a nurse before I was a mom, and you know I survived night shift on Mountain Dew and all the icky foods I ate, and I had a lot of kidney stones. We referred to it as my rock garden. I had surgery <laughs> for that years ago, but oddly enough, or not oddly enough, if you look at the science, I have not developed a new kidney stone since I became plant based. Awesome. So <clears throat> that's been nice. I have a handful of little teeny mini stones in one kidney. And when we do look at them, they don't change. So I haven't had a CAT scan in a couple of years, but we used to watch those every six months with those same scans. So no more kidney stones, you know. So nice, nice change for me. So, and my cholesterol had been um, quite high, over 200. Back, I want to say 2007 was when we really started watching my numbers. I even tried a statin for a little while as a young, you know, 30-something mom. They made me have leg cramps. I started having all the side effects, and I went off of them. No matter what I did on the typical American diet, I couldn't bring my cholesterol down, but I was afraid of the statins. So Mm -hmm. 
this past year, I guess, we, you know, I finally got some new numbers. Lo and behold, my cholesterol is 136. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, and that's on nomads. My triglycerides had been above 400. They are 116 now. Amazing. So, yeah. So the plant-based diet is definitely, definitely the way to go for me. And one thing that's interesting is, I don't know if everyone listening caught it, was that you were a nurse. Mm-hmm. And so you had, you know, some kind of medical training, far more than the average person being a nurse. And as you said, you were living on Mountain Dew and cheeseburgers. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, as I got more into nursing and I got a job in an open heart recovery unit, those cheeseburgers started to scare me, but I still was eating grilled chicken at every meal or, you know, tons of yogurt and lots and lots of skim dairy and all the while getting more and more kidney stones and my gallbladder was failing me, you know? Right. Yeah. And I think that's something that, I mean, I've been to conferences for cardiologists and they're serving like tons of dairy and like pork and meat, all these meats. And I'm like, I'm at an conference for cardiology, right? It's amazing how um, there is that disconnect. There's a huge disconnect. If you see the trays that come into the patient rooms, it's just sad. It's just really, really sad. I remember when my father had his heart attack um, and he was still in the cardiology unit. I mean, he was in the intensive care for cardiology because he just had a heart attack and they wheeled in some bacon. And my dad was like, you know, I'm not a doctor. I only have four years of college, but I'm pretty sure that I don't need bacon after having a heart attack. And they're like, oh, it's okay. It's turkey bacon. Oh, wow. And I, my dad was just like, I'm good. (laughs) And so it is, I mean, I think, I hope it's getting better, but it is, it's very interesting to hear you say that, especially as having been a nurse and seeing it firsthand. Oh, yes. Yes, definitely. So one thing that you also mentioned is that you're a mom and we get so many questions about mom and you actually have teenagers. So maybe you can tell us sort of about that experience with, um, you know, like what's it like for them with their friends or, uh, how do they manage socially and how do you manage, you know, running around with how, I mean, I know when I was a teenager, my mom was shuttling me to like 500 million things. How do you do it? Like, how do you get healthy food in the, in the kids and on the table? Well, I can give you this week as an example, um, uh, just for the moms, a sample day. Tuesday, we had solos and ensembles going on in school. Both of my girls are in band, but I have a middle schooler and a high schooler. So I'm dealing with two different schools. Sometimes the activities overlap, sometimes they don't. My husband was at work, and I also was serving dinner to the judges. So I had cooked for my family and for the judges really quickly right before time to pick the kids up. Well, that was my plan. I <laughs> judges ran out of time to cook for my family. So in the past, or for many of my friends, the answer would be, oh, we're going to hit a drive through tonight. Not this mom. We had literally a 41-minute window between some of the activities that evening going on with their performances and my helping at the school. We jumped in the car. We dashed home. I threw a meal together. They ate it, and we got back. So I cooked a plant-based meal that night. Was it fancy? No, not so much, but it was a good meal. I always have stuff on hand for what we say is our salad bar. I have several, like, Pyrex glass dishes with lids. When I have time, whether it's on the weekend, if it's 30 minutes before taking them to school, I pre-chop vegetables, bell peppers, shred some carrots, whatever I've got in the fridge. Put each kind in a dish. And then I have lettuce ready. And so everybody pulls those out at dinner and everybody makes their own salad. And then at the end, we put the lids back on and the salad bars put away. Mm-hmm. So that's always there to supplement, you know, whatever meal we're having. I want to say that night I made probably garden chili in the pressure cooker. Oh, <laughs> I yeah. have the ingredients for that. If not that, we'll do taco soup. We'll do mock tuna salad. You know, I can pull the meal together in 15 minutes and keep them away from the high fat products that you grab and drive through. Right. Yeah. And I say that to people all the time, you know, if uh, you haven't cooked your meals for head for the week, if you just have a can of beans in your pantry and some rice in your freezer, you can just put that together with salsa or marinara or whatever sauce you have. And that's a five minute meal. If, if it comes to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's, 
you know, we, we use the meal plans. I love the meal plans, but I have weeks where being a busy mom, I can't pull it together enough. And some of it's just, you know, it's me. I'll, I'll, I'll choose to read a book overcooking. <laughs> uh, you know, that, that goes back to the book club thing. But it's okay because I know if I drop the ball on planning ahead on those meal plans, I've always got something back up in my pantry without, you know, and I don't have a huge pantry. It's not that I have everything on hand, but like you said, some beans, some rice, whatever. It's just, it's easy to put a fast meal together that's good for the family and that they thoroughly enjoy. So. Right. And that's helpful too. And you know, I mean, especially just cooking week to week, you start to learn your family's tastes and their preferences and what they're going to go for. Yes. Yes. And, and that's, that's very helpful. And they have learned and it has taken, you know, a good few years. And as they've gotten older, cause the girls were quite a bit younger when I started cooking like this, but they learned along the way. If they really like something, they'll say, ah, oh, this is worth putting on the menu every week or twice a month or you know, so I know in the back of my mind which things are their very, very favorites, you know, or they'll, if we've got some downtime, I'll hand them cookbooks and say, put some sticky flags on pages that you want, you know, so I know what they want ahead of time. And that's a great tip. I always tell moms to get the kids involved, you know, encourage them to give feedback, good or bad. And also, like you said, let them look over a meal plan or a cookbook or something, or even just the pictures from the meal plan or the cookbooks and say, I'm interested in that. I'm not interested in that because allowing them to be involved, even in a small way, in a bigger way would be having them in the kitchen with you. But of course, their schedules and their age would depend there. That makes Mm -hmm. them a lot more open. Because they feel like oh, they absolutely. they had a choice and they were involved versus you're just throwing something in front of them with no choice and no say. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the best pieces of just general parenting advice I was given was when you give your kids a choice, make sure either answer is acceptable. So rather than saying, do you want this for dinner? Have two options. Mm-hmm. Do you want this or this? then they feel like they've had some control in that decision and they're much more likely to go along with it, you know? Yeah, that is really good. And I, that's something I always say, and I've realized with my nieces and nephews is if it's okay, do you want a bean burrito or do you want a bean burger? Both are good answers. Both are good choices, but they're getting a choice and it really seems to kind of diffuse the situation and make them less rebellious. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you want peas or carrots? You know, so versus anything you don't ever say, do you want your bath now? It's do you want your bath before dinner or after dinner? You know, you could take that down to all the way toddler age. Oh yeah. It works. Just always make sure both decisions are acceptable and be consistent. If you say, do you want a bean burrito or a bean burger? You know, be consistent with allowing them to make that choice. Don't change your mind at the last second. (laughs) Right. Pasta, you know. Yeah, exactly. So there's one story that um, you tell a lot, and I absolutely love it, about your daughter's best friend who's an omnivore. Maybe you could tell us that. I will tell you that. Um, Funny, funny story. So this was going back to when we were testing um, for one of the cookbooks, and I frequently would share the foods with the kids' friends as they were at the house or whatever. But my oldest daughter had taken the garden chili to school with her in a thermos. And she asked her best friend, she was like, hey, I want you to try this, it's really good. And so her friend did, but that afternoon, her friend comes running to my car and says, oh, you're not gonna believe this. Okay, so Bruno wanted me to try this chili. And I thought, oh, it's vegan. It's gross. I can't do it. But I love Brenna and I have to do it. So I'll take a bite. She said, it was so good. I love it. So I'm going to save my money. And when the cookbook's released, I'm buying my own coffee and I'm going to make it every day. (laughs) (laughs) And this is a child who, like you said, she didn't even want to try it because she's so omnivorous. She's like vegan gross. And she just loved it. I love that story because I really do think you can win even the most skeptical people over with food. Oh, you absolutely can. You absolutely can. And as the girls are getting older, it's even become more interesting because I think the older teenagers are much more set in their ways. You know, Mm. so I've got this crowd of 16 to 18 year olds now coming and going from the house with my older one. And, you know, I'll say, hey, I've got food, but, you know, it's our kind of food. And they'll laugh. (laughs) I have yet to have a boy not decline it or even they all request seconds. So, you know, and they'll tell me, 
this isn't something I would want my mom to do every day, but this was really good. You know, yeah, getting vegetables in those kids. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's a, it's, it's fun to introduce them and it always opens that door. Why do you all do this? And Mm -hmm. my girls over the years, they have their own answers and their own way of telling them. And it's, it's fun to listen to the kids explain it to the other kids, you know, about health and, you know, and they'll say, Oh, you know, well, you remember when we were on that trip? I cheated and I ate, you know, a piece of cheese pizza. Did you remember how broke out my face was when we got back? You know, I've heard one of my daughters tell this to one of the other guys, not knowing that she had the cheese pizza. And (laughs) if they, I'm not going to force this on them. They're big enough now at 14 and 16 that if they want to do that when they're out and about, they have that right and that option. But the very few times they cheat, they always circle back to, Mom, I can't do that again. Oh, my gosh. You know, my stomach hurt or my, my face broke out because I had dairy or I'm more congested than I should be. And so it, those very few little times, they're like, yeah, this isn't I'm going to I'm going to be, quote, normal. They decide it's not for them. you know. Right. And I actually I think that's very helpful. And I used to let to adults as well that sometimes a slip up or a cheat is the best thing that can happen because you do have that experience and then you remember it and it stays with you. Oh, oh I really did feel bad or oh, my skin did look terrible or oh, I had diarrhea or bloating or whatever manifests. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a big believer in that. I have, you know, I, I don't I've not ever forced the kids to go along with anything like that, nor my husband, you know, and, and he, he, you know, he came along to this very reluctantly, uh, the guys he works with, he was overseas for a year and, uh, it became a running joke as to, and he didn't know it at the time as to how long he would go without anyone observing him eat a vegetable. And this was a few years ago. And, uh, so at one point he'd gone almost three weeks without anyone observing him eat a vegetable. Oh my gosh. And these guys called him on it. You know, these are guys away from their wives saying you should eat better, you know? Right. So, so when the other guys call you on your diet, you're like, wait a minute. So, you know, after a while he was like, yeah, I'll, I'll see what you're eating. And I think one of my first tweets was directed at Happy Herbivore saying, I'm glad we don't live near you because my husband would leave me for your food. <laughs> he loved it and within the first five months his cholesterol dropped 80 points oh my god and he has a huge family history of colon cancer so it always been a fear it had always been a fear of mine that he ate so much meat with his family history so this has been you know just a big relief for me for his health you know he wasn't having like the gallbladder junk and all that that I was having but just to see him and see his body tone up and you know it, it just it's kind of cool <laughs> so, yeah yeah colon yeah, cancer I don't, I don't think forcing it on your family works I think you have to lead by example and they'll come along you know so no I agree with you completely about you know leading by example not being pushy and people will they'll just naturally come to you if you're if they, especially if they see the results in you and I know that was what happened with me is I tried to be really preachy and push it on people and it just kind of made it worse it kind of alienated them and made them want to rebel against me but then when people would see you know my skin cleared I was slimming down getting leaner and I was just happier and healthier like my whole mood just shifted people started mm-hmm. wanting to know what my secret was like they wanted in on it and then um you know I fed them and slowly but surely you know I've converted almost all of my friends my family and I like you said I think it was just that leading by example and letting them come to me yes yes I I agree completely because I I got somewhat zealot at the beginning because I was Mm -hmm. so excited yep me too and I saw quickly that alienates people fast you know Mm -hmm. But then over the years, you know, in the last year, I've had three different people that I haven't seen in 20 years send me a private message on Facebook and say, hey, what is it exactly that you are doing? You mentioned that you changed how you eat and you look good, you look happy, you know, so that's been kind of cool. So I've had that experience too. I mean, at least probably I'd say once every couple of months that I I have all these friends on Facebook who um, I went to high school with or college with, and we may have been close then, but you know, I graduated almost 20 years ago. So it's been a long time and, but they'll say, yeah, you know, you look really good or what are you doing? You know, you're really glowing or they'll be like, I heard that you were, you know, vegan or something. Can you tell me? And I mean, these are people that I really haven't seen 
or really had much conversation with in 15 to 20 years, but they're just reaching out all of a sudden because they see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's, they're curious. That's the cool thing because it, to just the, the amazing magic that food and nutrition and the, how the body works together, that somebody with only your online presence sees that change. I just, it's just the coolest thing in the world, you know? And you just, I remember recently you changed your profile picture on Facebook because we're friends and I was like, oh, she looks so beautiful. And of course, I mean, I, I know you that way, but you uh-huh. ended up emailing me and saying like tons of people were surprised. Yes. Okay. Great story there. My parents are not on Facebook, but I went ahead and emailed that picture to them. My mom said, dad calls her into the office. Hey, come look at this. He's got the picture pulled up full full screen. And she said, oh, well, who is that? (laughs) (laughs) I just saw them like a year and a half ago. So, you know, it's not been that long, but it just, it was so funny. Mom said, well, I thought she resembled you, but you know, the hair, your hair is just like glossy and luxurious. It was just funny. And I had peers from high school and I've been out of high school for way longer than you (laughs) that I look you know, just the same, or I looked younger than I did the last time they saw me 10 years ago. And, you know, so that was a cool experience. And my daughters were what were following those comments on Facebook. And Brenna said, Mom, I want to be like this, you know, so that's, And I feel like I should preface that this was not like a professional glamour shot or anything. You just (laughs) happened to snap a selfie in your car. Yes, yes, you can see the seatbelt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so just so everyone knows, like, you didn't, like, go and get your hair blown out and makeup done or anything. This is a selfie picture. Oh, it was totally a selfie picture. I have stupid curly hair, and I had it straight that day. So I took a selfie to show a girlfriend of mine, and she was like, wow, that's a good picture. And so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll make it my profile picture, you know, because my hair is usually really curly, so it's a novelty when it's not, you know. So. Right, yeah, and it's funny because I, I, was, I too was following the comments, and there were so many. I mean, and, and like me, you know, your friends, like when you post something on Facebook, you get a, maybe a comment or two or a couple of likes. It's not a big deal, yeah. but like you had so many likes. And so many comments from friends that were like, oh my God, you look amazing. You look 10 years younger. Like, I mean, people were going crazy. And it was like you said, it was like a selfie pic that you took to show your girlfriend how you styled your hair that day. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was really funny, but, uh, holy cow, was it nice? You know I mean? Right. Yeah. And so what are you doing different? What is your secret? You know, how'd you get your skin like that? So it's really cool to see that happen to other people. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very cool. And, and, you know, and and I see it with other people that I know that have gone plant-based and been a little more under the radar than I was in the beginning, you know, and then people are like, Whoa, wait, you look great. What are you doing? Oh, well, you know, I quit eating meat. You did what? Where do you get your protein? (laughs) (laughs) What's funny is how often I get it in public, like on airplanes is I'll sit down and someone will be like, Oh my gosh, tell me your diet. Tell me your secret. What do you, what is it? And I'm like, Oh, this is a long plane ride. (laughs) (laughs) but um it is it's really cool and I do think that just like you can be a shining example and it really will make people attracted to learn more and that's you know where you plant the seed and then it can get watered so one of um one of the things that brought us you know really close so we were friends we were good friends before but when I was diagnosed with OCD you confided in me that you had been diagnosed with OCD and it turns out that we had a very similar kind of OCD and that just enhanced our friendship and made us become really really close and um it's something that I talk a lot about because I think that there's still like mental illness is shame you know it's still like people Mm -hmm. feel like they can't talk like you can't be anything but perfect and I feel like we're all perfect we're just different you know, versions of perfect. And it's about learning to live with your reality. And um, that's something you taught me was that this is my new reality. Now I know why I was anxious and frustrated all the time. And it's about managing it and living with my OCD. And you've been a tremendous help. But um, I thought maybe we could start talking about, you know, OCD, which is short for obsessive compulsive disorder by you sharing your Disneyland story. Because I think a lot of people might be able to, they're going OCD, what is this? What is it? Maybe your story can help them understand what we're talking about, but also maybe they can relate to it in some way. Maybe, Maybe there, it won't be a Disneyland, but they'll see what OCD is. Yeah, well, you know, OCD kind of has become a common term and people will say, oh, I'm so OCD about whatever, but OCD is very real. And before I knew that that's what I had, 
we were going to Disney, you know, family dream vacation. In my head, I was doing all the things that any other mom would do. I didn't realize until later that, you know, at the point you're at Disney and you walk up to the castle and you're supposed to have your Cinderella dinner and they've got your reservation mixed up. They are not accustomed to you whipping out your Excel spreadsheet <laughs> times and your information and your confirmation numbers. We were with another couple and then our, our little girls at that time. And everything, it was like one of those moments in a commercial where the world kind of stops and everybody's looking at you. <laughs> I was like, what? And my friend's like, you have an Excel spreadsheet? And I'm like, well, yeah, because I had to know what times to that we were going to ride the rides. And, you know, my kids were in elementary school at the time. Kids don't operate that way. But that was my normal at that time. And so also at that time, when things didn't go by my Excel spreadsheet, I was very inclined to get extremely frustrated and extremely impatient. And once I was diagnosed with OCD, then understood it, and I think the, the practitioner that diagnosed me couldn't have been a better person because he said to me, every successful person has some degree of OCD. You just have to control it. It can't control you. And that has stuck with me. That has been my mantra, you know, and I have learned to put myself in check. And I have those Disney moments of whipping out a self spreadsheet rather than smiling when they're offering me a time an hour later, you know, and taking that time and instead of arguing the point that no, on my spreadsheet, it's. <laughs> and I talked to this person on this day and they gave me this confirmation <laughs> number. And I read all that, you know. And I realized I really did look kind of crazy to people. And it's, you know, and I'm not belittling you know, OCD or any other mental health, you know, issue, but it was controlling me because I would, I would just come apart if things didn't go according to my plan. Now, is my family glad that I have OCD and that I plan the way I do? Absolutely. (laughs) I married the most laid back man on the planet. So if I didn't have OCD, our house would fall down around our ankles. <laughs> but we learned to work with it. Mm-hmm. We also learned when to say, oh, back off a little bit. And I'm learning to recognize when, when I'm a little out of control, he's learned how to subtly reel me in if I'm getting bent out of shape over something, you know. And in general, I'm just happier than I used to be, so I don't get as bent out of shape. But I do still, you know. I have to manage it. It's something you have to work on all the time. But, you know, Disney definitely was, I think, my uh, my high queen of it all. So... Right. And my parents, I remember um, when I was finally explaining OCD to them and um, about how, you know, you just, you lose it. Like, it's, you're so angry and so frustrated to the point where you're crying often Mm -hmm. because things aren't going the way you planned and my parents always thought that those behaviors was me having a temper tantrum not getting what I wanted not Mm -hmm. things not going my way like I just could it was my way or the highway and I was but now they're like oh my god I can't believe it was just that was you expressing your frustration that things hadn't gone the way they were and while most people be like okay yeah we'll come back in an hour for dinner no big deal to a person with obsessive compulsive disorder they just can't even see past it because they're just like losing it from anxiety and stress that it didn't go the way they planned because they they set it up it's supposed to be this way so you feel secure and then someone takes the rug out from under you and you just can't respond to it yes and that that's part that you know that that's the struggle with it it's it like i said it's nice to want to plan things and to be meticulous about things. But that frustration, I I often have wondered, you know, am I, am I really having a temper tantrum? I'm in my 40s, really? Right. You know? mm-hmm. But it's it's something internal that a person without a so OCD truly can't grasp, that pure feeling of just panic that the world is going to end mm-hmm. because you had this planned the right way and it's not happening like that, you know. So it's, you just have to work with it. And... You know, like I said, the, the guy that diagnosed me, him t- talking about successful people and how to use OCD, that's what you have to do. You have to rein it in and use it to be productive. So, you know. 
He's not always the um, the best example, but he is still a good example. Is Steve Jobs had OCD, and he was famously known for having you know these quote unquote temper tantrums, which I hate calling them that because they're not a temper tantrum, but that's what everyone no. thinks that they are. Um, in boardrooms, is he would just start crying, and it and I was like, that's how it feels. Is you're you're so overwhelmed with this emotion of like the anger is going to end, you know, the world's going to end and you're frustrated that you, your body can't do anything but cry mm-hmm. because you're just so beyond even words. But, yeah. um, but that is an example and it is often, you know, OCD is linked to people who, like you said, are highly successful. It's just, you have to use it to your advantage. You have to let it give you wings and not, you know, be the boulder around you. That's pulling you down. You have to let it, that's right. you know, hold you, rein it in, but allow it to explore. And I, I love, I love it in some ways. Cause I know that my OCD has allowed me to be successful and grow my company. But at the same time, I've certainly had moments where I'm like, oh, I wish I didn't have this brain because <laughs> yes. I lose it sometimes. And it's like, fortunately, I too married a very laid back guy who's kind of like, <laughs> Lindsay, I think you need to go do yoga like right now. Like I'm going to drive you to yoga and you'll feel better. <laughs> yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned yoga because I, when I started doing yoga, it, it grounds you and mm-hmm. it does help. It, it makes you stop and it makes you stop your, your tendencies. It makes you stop trying to plan and it helps me, you know, so even, even if I'm not in the middle of yoga, I know now that if I just stop and take several really deep breaths, Mm -hmm. I can regroup if I'm getting frustrated because the rest of the world is never going to operate on my schedule, whether I want it to or not. Right. Right. And so, and and I'll throw out, we use humor in my home. The other day I was becoming frustrated because I had an idea of how the evening was going to go. It was busy and I had all this, well, you know, teenagers and teachers giving homework and husband schedules and the evening doesn't always go the way I think it should, you know? And at one point I, I just turned around and I was like, you all have to stop. And they're like, what? And I'm like, this is my world today and I get to be the queen. <laughs> like, yes, please. And they're like, no, not today. And I'm like, okay. You know, but it, that moment of levity kind of stopped it for me too. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, right. really just stop and, and let it go. You know, your schedule is not as important as, you know, the AP U.S. history assignment that students right. So, you know. Absolutely. And that is, that. it is good to be, I you know, lighthearted about it too. And, um, we, uh, we joke a lot about mine. Actually yesterday, Scott did this demonstration. He's like, let me show you what it's like when Lindsay can't find something. And he takes a drawer and he dumps it out and he spreads it across the room. And then he like dramatically like walked out of the room and shut the door. And he's like, that's what it's like when Hurricane Lindsay comes Oh, funny, <laughs> and it's like he was joking, and but it that's that is true. And I can't find something. It's just like the world has ended, and I'm just like in hysterics. Like I know it exists. <laughs> I can so relate to that. I, so I know. I, we had a teaching lesson last night. Someone put something away in a wrong kitchen cabinet. So I called, you know, my daughters and my husband, and they're good natured. But I'm like, okay, does anybody remember who put this away in the wrong? Kitchen? <laughs> really. <laughs> So then we'll circle back to the movie Sleeping with the Enemy, where the guy comes in and she's got the towels crooked, and he goes, "Is everything here as it should be?" Oh yeah, so, yes. So my <laughs> husband will throw that line to me when I'm being out of control. So I've learned to not be so spazzy about things getting put away wrong because I can't stand it if I can't find something. So you know, yeah. If my friend was yeah, that's, that's his little rescue line now. You know, <laughs> is everything here as it should be? As it should be. Yeah, my friend was staying with us and she um, made the bed, which I thought was really nice that she had made the bed, but she didn't put the pillows the way I like them. I, I was about to say the right way, but I realized there is no right way with pillows. There's just my preference. So I caught myself, but I like walked in and was like, I can't do it. Like, I had to change them. I like, I just got, I was like, oh, I feel so much better. Yeah. So that's what OCD is like. You're like, no, oh, I can't, I can't leave the pillows around. Okay, I gotta switch it. (laughs) That's fantastic. Yeah, our first marital fight was over how to fold towels because I told my husband he folded them wrong and he wanted to know what made my way right. Right. I couldn't give him an answer. Other than right. You can't explain it. You're just like, it just it is. So he helped for a while, 
Yeah, he helped for a while, and then when he realized I was refolding things behind him, he quit help. <laughs> yeah, that's how <laughs> yeah, Scott was. About that, you know? Scott's like, I'm not lazy, really. I just know you're going to refold it behind me, so I'm conserving energy. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I'll use my time elsewhere. You don't come in behind me when I clean the shower. And I'm like, that, that's true. Yeah, yeah but I do, I do think I manage it better, and, you know, I sometimes I even contribute that to how I eat because I'm just calmer. In mm-hmm. general and more grounded and I think it's helped so oh absolutely I definitely and and talking to my husband and my sibling and um my parents too they're just like it, it, you I mean it's a struggle you know every day is a different challenge but they're like you are light years better off than you were before you were plant-based and I do think that mm-hmm. it's the quality nutrition has really helped because I, oh yes, with the sugar crashes and I was drinking so much coffee because I was tired all the time and I was eating garbage that did who knows what to my blood sugar. That only like festered, I think, um, my OCD and my tan- my quote unquote tantrums. But also, mm-hmm. I I think just when you don't feel good, you're and like I used to get hangry all the time. I no longer have this. Even if I am hungry, it's not that hanger that you know rage that I I think a lot of people experience and I think that's helped like tremendously I don't have those additional you know dark clouds to make it harder for me well you know prior to going plant-based I had hypoglycemia which means low blood sugar Mm -hmm. I was not diabetic nor have I ever been diabetic but I had blood sugar crashes going all the way back to when I was pregnant with my 16 year old and I would drop dangerously low down in the upper 20s, low 30s. And so the first endocrinologist I saw had me eating a snack every three hours of, um, you'll love this, sandwich meat and a slice of cheese. (laughs) So, you know, we kept my blood sugar up, but my weight came up, you know, cholesterol came up. Well, as I've become plant-based, all that's just kind of fallen by the wayside. And I honestly cannot recall the last low, low blood sugar I had. I have not, I don't even check it anymore, you know, but I did get that. I would break out in a cold sweat. I was so angry, that hangry you're talking mm-hmm. about, you know, but even when my husband and I were dating, I remember twice him handing me a candy bar and saying, I think you need something to eat. Yeah. Oh, my husband used to do that all the time. Like, I think you need to eat something. You're going crazy. Uh-huh. But we don't, I don't do that anymore. and haven't for, like I said, I can't remember the last time. Yeah. Scott would often, he said that when he would come home from work, he would avoid even like confronting me at all, like even seeing me until after we've had dinner because he realized that we had like epic fights and blowouts every time he came home from work before dinner. And I'm sure it was because like, well, I have OCD, but also because I was in that extreme hangar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, which none of that happens anymore, which has been good no, for our marriage. <laughs> hours anymore you know so. but yeah I used to have that too my husband would be like I think you need to eat something and I'm like what do you mean? <laughs> yep I'm not upset why do you think I'm upset you know that kind of thing and I'm right. just, I you're upset I'm not upset that. I'm not acting irrational <laughs> sound familiar <laughs> yes so familiar so familiar well on a lighter note so one other thing that you and I have in common is that we're like obsessive about believing in the power of positivity and just um it all started with we both started at the same time doing this challenge where we weren't going to complain anymore which is a still work in progress for me Mm -hmm. but also just um smiling at strangers even if you don't know them just smiling to be um nice and we've both experienced just it's so profound the difference that being positive, trying not to complain, trying not to gossip, um, and really just having that kindness, even if you're have a nice day, um, has really made a huge difference in both of our lives and especially helping with the OCD. But you had a quite, um, big experience that maybe you could share about how impactful this really could be. The gentleman, when I was walking that morning. In the mall. Mm-hmm. Yes. And how you so, weren't going to smile initially. Yes. So um, I, was, I walk laps in the mall when the weather's bad. And I had gone when they open it, you know, really early before the mall opens. And I was there one morning. And there was a man approaching me who, he he looked kind of like, a, you know, a rougher, tough kind of guy. Mm-hmm. You know, big, big, thick leather motorcycle boots. And, you know, somebody that if I approached, if I saw in a dark alley, I would have been afraid of him, honestly. You know, and... uh 
But as he was approaching me, I smiled at him as we passed each other. It stopped him cold. He grinned from ear to ear. It turns out he was special needs. And he stopped and he said, I have those. And he pointed to my earbuds and I said, oh, I love mine. And, you know, and he kept going. And then each lap as we would cross paths again, because we were going opposite directions, he would smile and he would tell other people, any random person around us, she's my friend. She's my friend. You know, and so at that point, I became his friend because I smiled at him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I said, in, in other situations, um, if I weren't in the frame of mind I'm in now, I don't know that I would have even made eye contact, let alone smiled at him, but it made his day. But not only did it make his day, it made my day because the joy that came from him was just absolutely huge, you know, and I get that when there, we have a lot of people on at intersections with signs asking for, you know, money, food, whatever. I can't help everyone, but I can smile and wave at them. Mm-hmm. The expression that they give when you just smile and acknowledge that they're a human being, it's just a wonderful thing, you know? Absolutely. And it's so easy. It is just so easy. And by the end of the and day, it's free. you feel happy. It's yeah. absolutely free. And it's lifting your spirits, too. So even if I'm in, like, a really bad mood, I still will make a point of smiling at others because I don't know what's going on in their lives. So even if my day's been rotten for whatever reason I've proclaimed it to be rotten, I'll smile. It doesn't take anything before my any time at all before my day's no longer rotten. And I, you know, I feel better and positive again. So, you know, it's important to smile at people. And that's a really good point, is you never know what someone else is going through. Cause everyone has something going on in their life and we can't ever know. Someone can look, you know, perfect in every way and you know they could have just lost a loved one that morning you just you never know what someone else is going through and what they're struggling with and having smile and recognizing their humanity goes so far oh it goes so very very far it's and like I said it's so easy and like you said it's free Mm -hmm. so just to be pleasant and positive and and it helps you maintain a positive outlook too you know so it's it's, you know, it's, it's kind of selfish sometimes to do that because I know it's going to pull me out of my funk that I'm in. Because sometimes, sometimes we like to wallow in a funk, you know, it's like a right. diaper, it's warm and comfortable. Yeah. And, and misery does love company. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it sometimes it takes more effort, but it, it's worth the effort. It's worth it every single time. And one of the things, and one of my stories that I always love to tell people is I, you know, I spent my whole life believing that I wasn't athletic. Um, and everyone around me, my parents would tell me how smart I was. My teachers would tell me I was smart. Everyone would say, oh, you're so smart. You're so creative. You're pretty, you know, all these other quality things that people would say about me, which is nice. Um, but everyone would say that I wasn't athletic. And when I met my husband, you know, he, he didn't even believe it, but my parents were like, oh, totally uncoordinated. Like she's, she's just not athletic. And my husband is extremely athletic. So this was kind of like bothersome to him because he's like so we're gonna have this life together and you're never gonna do these things with me and I'm like I'm just I'm not athletic um and he refused to believe me but then we went and I tried to learn snowboarding for him and because he was a skier and he's like I'm gonna sign you up for a lesson because I don't snowboard I'm a skier I don't know how to do it and by the end of the lesson I had fallen down so many times I was so hurt I was like see I told you I wasn't athletic and I was so bad that Scott was finally believing all of these things he'd heard about me, like, oh, she really is an athletic. She really isn't coordinated. Um, I was just so negative. Like, I was so negative about athleticism. I just didn't have a good attitude. I was, I just, you know, I'd made my mind up. Everyone was right. I wasn't athletic and I wasn't coordinated. I wasn't any of these things. And then um, we were on this vacation and I kind of started feeling left, you know, let, I was tired of sitting on the couch. My husband was off having all of this fun without me. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to stick to this. I'm going to have a good attitude and I'm going to make the best of it. And, you know, darn it. I'm going to learn to snowboard. And um, I've since gone on to become a very good snowboarder. And I realized that as long as I was the person telling myself I couldn't do something, it was going to be true. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's the, it, no, everyone was wrong. <laughs> I, 
am athletic and I am coordinated. And it was all about just having a positive attitude and holding that optimism and not going in. And the same thing was true when I became plant-based. I quickly learned that if I had a good attitude and I thought that I was going to like the dinner that I was making, chances are I would. And if I had a bad attitude and I didn't think I was going to like it, I didn't. Yep, that's right. That's exactly right. And that that believing is is the key to it, you know. And we, I, ha, I routinely I'll have a car full of teens, and I had a young lady the other day. She is just a very gifted musician, and we were talking about college. She's only a sophomore in high school, and she said, "Well, I would like to go into music performance, but I don't know if I'm good enough or not." And I said, "You stop that right now." And my daughter started laughing immediately because I know what's coming next. <laughs> she said, what? And I said, you stop that right now. I said, you won't be good enough if you think that way. I said, you are the best. You are so good. And I said, you can do anything you want. She said, do you think so? And I said, yes. And from now on, you're to believe that. And she was like, well, all right then. <laughs> but, you know, my kids immediately knew, like, um, you know, she's not going to let let that get by in the car. So. But it's you, you defeat yourself and or you decide you don't like a meal. It's you set yourself up for success or failure. You know? Absolutely. And if, and if you don't succeed the first time, like you did with the snowboarding, you just keep trying. Mm-hmm. Nobody's the best the first time they try anything. So... Right, exactly. And that was one of the things that I really had to come to terms with. Of course, I wasn't going to be as good as someone who'd been snowboarding for 10 years my first day. So why, you know, everyone has to make their progression to where they are. And that is something, you know, I started yoga because you had suggested it as a way to, you know, deal with my OCD. And when it showed positive results, it really had helped me immensely. You know, my doctors have basically prescribed it and I have to do, they're like, you need to do this. But, um, (laughs) I remember it was the same thing. I walked into yoga and like, I, it was so hard for me to even stay in a pose for like 10 seconds. And here was this girl next to me who just, it looked so effortless for her. She was so bendy and so beautiful (laughs) and she just like floated and she was a goddess. And I was like, you know, shaking with (laughs) like barely able to put one leg down um and she was like in some split thing but then I realized she started like I did and now I can do those things that I saw her do two years ago right right but I had to get there it wasn't you know it took two years and you know part of that too is with you and I having OCD we expect to be perfect at everything we do that's right and it's hard when we're not my my mom laughs and tells the story of getting a call at work that I was in the counselor's office in high school, I was going to drop out of high school. It was the third day of school and I couldn't type yet in typing class, so I was just gonna quit school. So <laughs> I'm very all or not. That's and me. I, mm-hmm. In my mind, it was very rational because to graduate, you had to have a computer credit. To take computers, you had to have a typing credit. Well, I couldn't type, so therefore, I couldn't finish high school, so I would just get a GD and be fine. And that's <laughs> I was just gonna quit. You know? Right. And, so they convinced me that I could, and I never did excel at typing, but I can type, and I don't have to look at the keyboard all the time, and, you know, <laughs> I had to learn my limits with it, but, you know, that's, you're very much, you're wired very much like me, and with the plant-based diet, you know, early on, if I made a slip up, I nearly would quit, because mm-hmm. why bother? If, right. You know, I did this wrong. Screw it. Why, why would I even bother, you know, and now I know that's not the answer. And it's not even the next day is a new day. It's the next time I eat, it's a new time I eat. The same with my family. You know, do I want any of us eating junk? No. Does it happen? Yes, sometimes. But you just reset the next time you eat something. You don't even wait till the next day. You immediately push reset and then you strive for excellence. I so. love that. Yeah. And I, I try to emphasize that is like, don't, don't go on some weekend bender. Don't let, you know, one hiccup in the road make you throw the towel in and say, oh, screw it. You know, um, right. just get, get, dust yourself off and get back up kind of thing. And that's, that's definitely been true for me as well. And I remember in a yoga class actually is we moved into a pose and I was, I guess I was making a face and my yoga instructor was like, what, what are you doing? What's that face for? And I said, oh, I'm, I'm not very good at this pose. And he's like, stop it right now. Don't think that way. You know, just because it's not what you think perfect is, doesn't mean you're not perfect right now. And that really kind of stayed with me that, okay, good. just because I can't do the pose the way I think I should do it, you know, which it happened to be a split and I, I wasn't able to get all the way down to the ground in the split. He's like, don't, that you're just get rid of perfection. That's a Western thing. It doesn't exist. 
<laughs> and I was like, good. yeah, but no, and it's the same is true. Um, uh, Gene Barr was on the podcast recently and he said something that I just loved and he said, don't let perfection get in the way of the good. Well, and I was like, oh, yes, which is, it comes yeah. back to our mantra, you know, my, that I'm always saying and we're always throwing around in the members forums is progress, not perfection. Because um, it is a progress, and that's true for me. You know, I, I was like you. If I had a slip-up or I ate something less healthy, um, I was tempted to just be like, I can't do it. Or when I was first plant-based, I felt so overwhelmed because there was so much to learn and so much to do that I often would yes. just be like, I just give up. And then I realized, you know what? I'm going to do the best I can, and if I find out that that was wrong and I need to change something, that's fine. But it, you just got to start. <laughs> start right, progressing. Right. Yes, start progressing. You can't, because it, it, it's like learning new language in the beginning, especially when you take things to the nth degree like I do. You know, mm-hmm. um, it, it doesn't have to be as hard as I, I made it out to be to myself. You know, it's, it's very simple. Like you said, beans, rice, and some salsa is a great starter meal. <laughs> right, know? yeah, exactly. It's a fast weeknight meal for those of us that have been doing it for quite a while. So Yeah, you know, actually, I, I think that's my lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we, we have it fairly often around here. And, you know, Delaney, my younger daughter, um, about once a month or so, she'll batch cook burritos. And that's what they take to school every day. And she's kind of become infamous for those bean and rice burritos. And uh, she made enough this last time that she took extras in for friends. So, yeah, but she, you have uh, the sweetest she girls. They freeze them, and uh, you know, and she's um, I, I and I told you this on Twitter before we got to know each other real well. Your your recipes are so easy for beginners because your cookbooks were the first cookbooks either of my daughters pulled from a shelf and went to the kitchen and made something from without me being in there or saying come help mom. They just found hey I can do this. This mm-hmm. doesn't have seven thousand ingredients or seven thousand steps and. So now, when they don't have homework, last night, uh, the one that's in the eighth grade, Delaney, she didn't have any homework, and she said, hey, what's for dinner? And I said, you want to do it? You know, and that's that's where I like the flexibility of having, you know, meal plan recipes ready, but I don't always necessarily batch cook because I've got kids wanting to learn, so I'm like, here, you fix something. So she can mm-hmm. dinner, you know? So it's nice. It's nice. You know, I get in there with her and help chop some of the stuff, and, you know... I'm still, no, it still make me a little nervous because I nearly took a finger off cutting bell peppers one day, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm not a good example because I just got in a knife fight with a bell pepper and had to get stitches, so. Uh, so maybe we shouldn't eat bell peppers anymore, you think? I know. I, I actually, I bought three bell peppers um, and I, they're still sitting on the counter and they're actually starting to get wrinkled because I've been like too scared to use them to cut them. I like, my husband keeps joking. He's like, you have like post-traumatic stress syndrome from the bell pepper. I'm like, But those stitches were so painful. I was like, God, I don't want to ever do that again. You can do it. You can do it. I I have cut bell peppers and been fine. And if all (sighs) fails, there's a wonderful multi-chopper tool that you can use. (laughs) I know. I I bought like a bag of frozen ones. I'm like, they're pre-cut. And my husband was like, okay, the the rest of our lives, you can't fear bell peppers. You need to like work (laughs) through this emotion. (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic. I was like, you just don't understand. Well, it's been so fun to have you. And um, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, Kim is going to be my co-host, my leader for our new book club, which everyone is so excited about. I'm really excited about. And the book we're reading this month is Girl on the Train, which is very popular. But So you will get to see and talk to Kim a whole lot more because she'll be leading our online chats for the book club. But thanks a million, Kim, for not only being an amazing friend to me and an inspiration, but also coming on the podcast today and sharing all of your wisdom and insights. Sure, sure. It's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. So... And if you want to learn more and get on the meal plans that Kim and I are using, you can visit getmealplans.com. Thanks, everyone. Bye, Kim. Bye.